Focal Point, Episode 6. Today, we discuss printing. Hello, everyone. I am David Patton, your co-host. And of course, we have Chelsea here today. And before I really get started, I kind of wanted to bring up a couple kind of minor things. Like, if you notice, we kind of missed a week. Part of that, just life gets in the way. We are going to try to keep this at a regular weekly schedule, but it's not necessarily a guaranteed thing. Any support through the Patreon will help. Uh, just it'll allow us to keep things a little more regularly, get things a little better scheduled out. So absolutely any support through Patreon or anything like that is helpful. And of course, join us over on the Discord and just come help participate, hang out, chat. Uh, the more we have discussions there, the more we have to talk about here. So now to go ahead and kind of get into our topic, Chelsea, if you want to go ahead and get us started. Yes. So sharing is caring, as we all know. And I think everyone can agree that we need to step away from the screens for a hot second. So what about the age old? What's the word? <laughs> the age old process. <laughs> the age old process of printing. So today we're going to talk about different ways we can share our photos that don't include Instagram, Reddit, Facebook, screens in general, and getting back to the olden days. I say that as somebody born in the 1980s. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. But it is really important to talk about. Um, there, There is still really valid reasons to print work even just for sharing. And it's something that doesn't get talked about a lot in all these photography forums. People are, they're posting pictures, they're sharing them on social media and talking about it there. But you post a picture and some people see it and then it, it kind of goes away. It's forgotten <laughs> next on to the next big thing. <laughs> right, yeah. There's no permanence really on the internet. I mean, there is, you know, the internet is written in an ink mark, as I always say, but there's so much that it does, like you said, it, it gets there, it gets a little of attention and then it's scrolled right by. Yeah, it, it's the object permanence That's with uh, digital files. You post them on the web, you, you may get tons of people seeing it but they may not actually get much interaction. You may have thousands of people see it and maybe one person make a comment or something like that. Whereas you have a print, when you show it to a person, they're going to be there with you reacting to it. And so it may not get quite as many people looking at it, but you get a lot more personal of an interaction when you share a print. And I think that's something that can be really helpful for staying motivated. Mm. If, if nothing else, just being able to have that personal interaction about your own pictures. Absolutely. And it doesn't even need to be something that you print to share. We're going to touch on different types of things you can print and, and how they, you know, different benefits to each of them. But it doesn't even have to be something that is intended to be shared as a print. It could be just for yourself. There's There's a certain feeling that you get. It sounds kind of... Um, silly, but there is a certain feeling when you open up a print that you receive um, from a, a real printing house, or even if you have a nice printer yourself and you're holding it in your hands, something you made on a digital screen or on film, and then now you're holding a large version of it in your hands. There's something to be said for that. 
I think it also helps that when you're looking at a print, there's no screen variance. When I'm sharing a digital file, I may have a calibrated monitor, but my phone's not calibrated, so it looks different on my phone. Whoever is looking at it, their computer screen may not be calibrated. And so it's going to look different on their screen than it does my screen, which is also going to look different from my phone. And their phone is also going to look different. And so it's still going to be fairly similar, but there's variance in the color and the mm. contrast and saturation that isn't there when you have a print. When you have the print, you have a physical object. It is not going to change just because you pass it to somebody else. Yeah. And so it can be a really good way to look critically at your work mm. and be able to see the most accurate version of it that you can get. Yeah, I remember I actually have a kind of embarrassing story about um, screen variants. I remember the first time I ran into this. I was um, I was working at the Apple store. I was a creative is the official title. I was like a like a tutor teacher, mostly for senior citizens, uh, teaching them how to send email. But um, I had recently gotten back into photography and I was really excited to share it with some of my colleagues who are some of the more talented people I've ever encountered in my life. And I was really excited about some of these pictures. And so I went to one of our work computers and I just pulled up a few pictures and they were like, man, it looked like I didn't know what exposure was. Like they were so <laughs> dark. It was so embarrassing. And I was like, ah, uh, no, this is not what they're supposed to look like. And this was on, you know, a retina <laughs> MacBook Pro top of the line. And I was like, but, but wait, hold on. This is not what it looks like on my crappy MacBook Air from five years ago. Um, so yeah, that that's a very, uh, <laughs> it just makes you feel bad. <laughs> it's the only way to say it. It makes you feel bad. <laughs> So I think knowing about it, it helps, I guess. Yeah. And having that print as well can help kind of see where issues may be. Mm. There is, especially with the brightness of a photo, mm. I have seen tons of examples where like, you can tell just by looking at the picture that they have never printed one right? because it looks okay on a computer screen, but it's really just so dark because screens have the backlighting. It is light shining at you. So you don't get the same sense that you do when you're looking at the print and there's no light. It's just whatever ambient light is around. So if it's the, so if the photo is too dark, it may look okay on a screen, but it is really clear in the print that it's just too dark and there's not enough detail and it doesn't stand out. And so that can be useful as a tool to help improve your own photos is by looking at it, say, okay, this is how it looks when I have it on paper with my screen not making any of its computer adjustments to the image. What can I do to fix it on the paper? And so it's, it's something you can notice, especially when you start paying attention, when people are posting photos that are just so dark, everything's dim, there's no real highlights to the picture. It kind of it's like just print a couple pictures and you'll see why that doesn't work as well. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is it does give you some kind of uh, idea that you don't really get from the displays. Um, so I guess that begs the question, when's the last time you printed something? Um, I want to say the last set of prints I ordered was three weeks ago, maybe maybe a full month. Look at you. 
living up to your own <laughs> advice. <laughs> well, part of it is I like printing out, like I'll go to Walmart and print out a handful of like four by sixes because it's less than a dollar for each one. And they're what goes up on my fridge. And I've got a two-year-old at home plus a couple other kids, but it's the two-year-old that really will sit there and grab at the pictures and tear them off. So they get worn out and torn up. And so I'll go and print more and replace them. <laughs> and it's just a fun way to keep making prints so I can see and have them displayed and just keep that rotation going. I did do a nicer set of prints a couple months ago that I actually ordered through a print lab that I got a handful of larger prints that I am still looking at framing options for. <laughs> but I, I tried to get a handful of those every once in a while because Walmart really does not have the most accurate of prints. The colors sometimes just aren't quite perfectly calibrated. Um, and if you go to an actual print lab, then they will have the process down to a science. And the people working there are people who care about making it accurate. And so you're going to get the best possible results. Yeah, absolutely. And you will see, for those of you who haven't used print labs, you'll see that they will you know, give you profiles to put onto your photo so that you can make sure that your photo uh, coloring is going to come out the way you expected on their printers and with their... Uh, setups. So it, they do take it seriously. They want to make sure you have a quality product. It's not a fly by night operation in any way. <laughs> that That is something I found out trying to print my own. I got one of the Canon Pixma Pro printers and I was like, awesome. I've got my own photo printer <laughs> and I still have like 10 copies of one photo left because I was sitting there printing it out, trying to get it to look like it does on my screen. And it took me so long to realize that, oh, I can load in this ICC profile and do what's called soft proofing. So basically make it look or use that profile in the editing program to show what it's going to look like with that particular printer and paper. And it's because I was using, like, I had the wrong paper thing loaded in there. And so I was like, I can't get these to look <laughs> right. They're turning out green. <laughs> so it, it is one of those things. Printing at home can be fun. But if you send it to a print lab, they have that process down and will make it a lot easier. And uh, depending on the lab, some of them will actually kind of help walk you through the process. Absolutely. And it's cheaper <laughs> than having to buy your own ink and paper and you know, and a heavy, expensive piece of equipment. So it is, it was like a hundred dollars for the printer, but it turns out the ink is $120 for a set of the, the ink. Yeah. man, printers are a racket, my man. <laughs> not and this is the cheap photo. Yep, that's the entry level. <laughs> they, they, they get a lot more expensive. That's the canon rebel of the printers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've used the same, printers in Europe and in the US for many, many years now. And they're always, they always surprise me because I don't go for necessarily the most expensive prints when I'm doing it for myself. I choose the cheapest thing when I'm doing it for a show. 
um, usually mid-range, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I'm always completely blown away by how beautiful they come out because you're using a professional lab. Um, I, my parents, I grew up uh, spending a lot of time, my parents worked for a magazine in New York. And um, after school, I would go and I would hang out with my mom and my dad and they would work on like a light table and cutting you know the photos and the and the lettering and then we go into the dark room and we do all that fun stuff and i just remember the huge printers that they would have that were the size of a wall <laughs> and like just the sheets of paper that would come out and the time <laughs> and the care that the people working there took into it and just having that in my memory in my core memory gives me some i think insights and respect to the people that are doing it now because i think from my experience, they're doing it with the same amount of care still. Um, and they want to help people get the quality product. So I'm a big proponent of professional printing houses and going out and printing your stuff. But I'm also a big proponent of doing what you do sometimes for personal stuff, just going to wherever. Um, I have like a, well, I had where I was living in Prague down the street, there was a, uh, like a booth in our um, DM. It's like a, like CVS or Walgreens or something and they just have those those booths in there you know the machines and you put in your phone or a flash drive and they just print pictures and I would do that for my personal pictures because it was like five cents a picture and they came out <laughs> great for what I needed them to so big fan <laughs> highly recommend yeah and that kind of does lead into talking about the different types of prints because you do have the just the photo paper which is really pretty cheap especially depending on the type of paper you get. You can get just kind of the standard gloss, semi-gloss, satin, matte papers that are pretty cheap but still give a really nice image. But you can get like fine art yeah. stuff that I haven't yet because it's like $80 for an 8 by 10 You know, I'm a big fan. <laughs> I have to say I'm a huge fan of photo rag which is kind of feels like cotton. I mean, I'm sure it, I can't, I don't want to say what it is. A lot of those are actual cotton Yeah, and you can tell. I mean, it on. has the texture of it. And I, you know, I shoot mostly street and travel. And I'm not a big fan of like the luminous, glowing, Thomas Kincaid-esque uh, end result for my work. So the photo rag is for me is just the absolute best. And um some of the houses that I use, the print houses I use, you can get photo rag for really inexpensive, like 10 bucks at the most for a huge like A2. Oh, wow. um, so been very lucky with that, but I'm, I'm a big fan of the photo rag. Do you have a, a favorite paper type? I don't know if I have like a specific paper that I prefer, but I do like the matte finishes a lot better. Uh, I just think that it really helps it stand out. And especially if I'm going to do any framing with it, and putting it behind glass that it keeps it from being too shiny and reflective. But that is one of the things I like about it too, is that I can customize however I want the framing. I can put it in different frames. I can put different glass in front of it and it changes the overall look of the display. Yeah, it definitely, I think it definitely depends on what your subject matter is, what the photo is, and your own personal preference. But that's one of the beauties of these kinds of places. If you have a local place, I highly recommend going in and talking to the people there. They'll show you. You can touch the paper. You can see with your own eyes. And then if you don't and you want to use one of these online ones, you can request samples um, so you can see 
what that paper actually looks like so you can make your best choice. Um, but local print shops are great. I had a beautiful one in Prague around the corner from me that I worked with quite a bit. And um, those are great because you can sit down and you can say, hey, this is what I have. This is what I need it to be exactly. And they'll cut it to finish. And the one by my house used all old fashioned tools, which was really neat as well. Um, it's just a nice process to to watch. I yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, I guess kind of the next step up would be printing on canvas, yeah. which tends to be more expensive than using the paper. Absolutely. It's definitely bulkier and for me from what i've seen is you get kind of less of an effective resolution because it's so heavily textured you can lose some of the really fine details but it also allows you to do really big prints that are gonna look nice and it looks professional you know i haven't done a canvas print in a really long time um back in like college i had a few um canvas prints done and I love them. They were, they were pre-stretched and mounted. Um, and I was able to just hang them on the wall just like that. And, you know, I was in college a thousand years ago and I think they're still like in my mom's attic and still in perfectly good condition. <laughs> um, I actually saw them when I was back in America the other, um, you know, last month, two months ago, and they looked like they were from yesterday. So, there is like a huge benefit to that. And they do look beautiful. They have like a slight sheen to them without being super shiny. And they have a nice texture. I, I'm a fan. They're expensive. But if you have some stuff that you really love and they work well without even framing, which I think is kind of a nice addition. Yeah, that that definitely is nice. Uh, I guess others that work good without framing are if you get like a metal or acrylic print. Yeah, I've never done those. What do you have you... I have not yet, just because of how expensive they are. Uh, I did do an equine shoot a week, about a week mm -hmm. ago that the client is getting one of the photos printed, uh, something big, um, not 20 by 30, but not too much smaller either. And they're going to do it with an acrylic print. And I am really hoping I get to see the end result. Yeah, you should ask. I, I've never actually, I think an acrylic print, um, I, I haven't even really seen one of those in real life. <laughs> I have seen metal prints. Um, but I, yeah, I think for me, I think they're, they're interesting. The idea of them is interesting. The fact that they'll last a long time is, is impressive. For me, I don't think they match my overall, like, aesthetic for what I like personally, just because of the, the sheen and the, I guess they just, they feel hyper modern to me, um, which isn't necessarily something that I want to achieve with my photos, but they have some amazing qualities. And I think you can even put like lights behind them. And, you know, from what I understand to light them up almost yeah. like a backlight. And it's something I'm looking into for the equine photography I do. Because there are a lot of clients who want that look. And it, it fits well enough with some of the horse pictures. For most of my stuff, I I just wouldn't... I don't think it would fit as well with what I shoot. But for the equine stuff, some of it, I'm, I'm looking into potentially getting some of that done. I guess it'll depend on if I can see my last clients when theirs comes in. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you should almost make a point of it just to be sure. 
say I should be able to because I'm probably going to be over there again within the year. Uh, they're looking at getting another horse, and they've already said once they get it, uh, they want me to come get pictures. Well, look at you so, and your ho- ho- <laughs> niche hopefully I'll market. Get the chance to yeah, see it. <laughs> <laughs> you're in like Flynn. Yeah. You know what, like, the complete opposite thing of that is is something that I absolutely love is zines. I am a huge, yes. huge proponent of the zine. I mean, it's a little bit of, like, a nostalgia thing because, you know, I was growing up in the in the 90s and early aughts, and I was, like, the 11-year-old wearing Doc Martens or fake Doc Martens because I wanted the real <laughs> deal but couldn't get them and, like, wanting to be the cool gen xers you know hanging out and doing cool like beatnik stuff um so i've always been a a huge fan of them i think they have such an interesting history but also just the output of them i love i have to say i am all about the resurgence of zines they kind of made a comeback maybe what like five to 10 years ago maybe something maybe just like five. that which was the first i had really heard of it being a big thing for photography of course i was a little younger in the 90s and didn't pay attention to anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually something i have been looking into is um creating one that's more of like an actual photo book mm-hmm. that can be used for like a nice display type thing And then I'm planning on also getting some smaller ones that really are more magazine with like the staple binding that are nice and cheap. That's what you want. Yes. And, and it's because of the marketability of those, like I can carry those around in my camera bag. Yep. And so then if people want to see the type of stuff I do, instead of pulling out my phone, hoping I've got service and can pull up Mm -hmm, stuff, mm -hmm. I can just pull out this magazine and like, yeah, I've got the zine right here and here's like 30 pages of my photos. Yeah, exactly. And and they're just I think what's what's really cool about a zine. And if you're if you're not sure this word that we keep saying over and over again, um, just picture like a like a handwritten little tiny magazine that was put through a Xerox machine a whole bunch of times and then stapled together. You got yourself a zine. Um, But I think what's like what's special about them is that they are made completely by hand. You know, you're not uh, a proper zine is not designed in Photoshop and Illustrator and put together in a meticulous manner it's handwriting it's it's hand drawing it's cutting pieces from magazines to stick in it's taking your pictures and literally cutting them and just slapping them on thoughtfully thoughtfully but (laughs) in kind of a like a cool punk way (laughs) if that makes sense yeah and and there are more modern uh kind of zine publishers that they will make it more like an actual magazine like that's what I'm planning on going through, especially for the kind of the photo book one, because you can like it. They call it a zine, but it really is more of an actual photo book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, so it's a magazine. Uh, <laughs> and, and so there are different kind of varying levels of how you'd want to do it. It can be as simple as going out, printing some of your pictures and handwritten, everything like that, hand stapled. Or if you want something that's more of a display piece, 
or marketing or something like that, you can also go onto one of those publishing sites and get it done. So that's kind of one thing I like about the modern age is there's plenty of variation for whatever style you're looking to do. It's not limited to just this or just that there's a whole range you can make yeah i think if you if you want to do some of your own research and you're looking for something more like what david said if you search like zine book you might be finding more things similar to what he's describing um and if you put in like i don't know maybe like punk zine you're gonna get more of what i'm describing and then there's a happy <laughs> medium in between um yeah. of and, and they, they both definitely have a place too because like the more personal personally made zines are awesome for like sharing around family, friends, people like that, because you put the effort into it and it's not just, Oh yeah, I got this printed out and stuff. So it it can have that more personal impact. It kind of depends on what you're using it for. The one, the smaller zine I'm planning on making is going to be more for marketing with like e- the equine stuff. Right. Um, so that one, it would be nicer to have it a little more professionally. Absolutely. But being able to put one together and stuff for your own personal use is just awesome. Absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, there's something very special about holding your work in your hands. And like what's cool about a zine is the size is pocketable and you're holding it in your hand and you have multiple images in there. Um So I think that's absolutely something worth doing while we're talking about it. If you are someone who is in our 52 weeks and and in the photo class, um, this is something that we've been trying to do or I've been trying to do for for many years is get the zine off the ground for those projects. Um, Well, the 52 weeks, I'm just taking over the photo class, but for the 52 weeks. Um, and it's something that we're going to try to really push for next year. Um, the one caveat to that is obviously these things cost money. So we're trying to find ways that we can all work together to make it a reality. And in such, keep an eye on things like the Patreon and the Discord for ways that if this is something that interests you, um, for ways to help us make it a reality. Because it does take a lot of work, but even more... <laughs> More than that, it takes money. <laughs> yeah, because so. it, it would be awesome. And like I, we were talking about this earlier, being able for each of us to put out one of these zines for anyone in the server or within the group to be able to pick up one. And I think that's would be awesome. And I think it would be also really fun for everyone participating to be able to see them putting together these zines to show off all of their work. So definitely we will have more on that coming. <laughs> yes. And if you uh, like that idea, motivate us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you want to help, <laughs> help us. <laughs> but two people right now, <laughs> formerly one person. Thank you, David, for coming and helping with <laughs> some of the extra stuff. Um, but we can absolutely make this happen uh, in real time if we just have a little bit of support, however you're able to give us support. I guess we've been talking about the zines that kind of moves into like talking about the difference between practical and decorative printing, because there is a little bit of variation and mostly the use case. But like the practical one, I'm thinking like calendars, um, magnets, coasters, bookmarks, maybe not necessarily what you would think of as a print, but stuff that's going to get used 
and is going to be seen every day and is going to be right there in front of you. Calendars especially. I love doing calendars. And I make one pretty much every year with the photos I've taken. That does kind of get into a whole nother topic of narrowing down and picking out your top shots for the year. But I use that as a fun challenge to kind of go through and pick out kind of my best shots mm. and be able to order them and make it make sense within the calendar. And so it's a really fun thing. And then it's it's there. It gets seen every single day. And if anyone ever walks into our house, it's right there. They're going to see that. I mean, I've got tons of other prints on my wall, too, because I like printing. <laughs> but it's one of those that it's right there and everyone's going to look at it. But other things like the coasters and the bookmarks – and like fridge magnets, they may be smaller, but it's still something that is going to be seen every day, but also serves a practical function. Yeah, I think a calendar is actually kind of a cool bridge item, too. Um, you often see people asking like, hey, how can I make money off my prints? And then everybody's like, you can't. And it's just a chorus of people saying, are you stupid? You can never make money off of prints. Um, that said, there's always people buying calendars still, at least for now, <laughs> until certain generations <laughs> go the way. But um, yeah, there's still people buying calendars. And I think th that's a very marketable thing, especially because we have the holidays at the end of the year. It's a great time to get one out and ready. Um, and if you want to be selling your work, that's a great way to try um, selling them at local fairs or even finding a coffee shop near you or or something that would let you put them out um, at some kind of commission pricing or shared profit sharing or something but that's a great way to to get some people to buy your work um and i think they're pretty fun to make put together i haven't made one in a long time i think the last time i made one was an iphone iphoto when it was still iphoto um but they're easy to put together they're fun and yeah there's there's some real uh opportunity to make money off of them too which is not to be said about a lot of prints so of course, we also get into the decorative stuff, which I think the calendar kind of can fit into that, too, because it is essentially wall art. It's just wall art that serves a function. But the decorative printing is like just the pictures that go up on your wall, the little photo book things that kind of stand up on the table and things like that that don't serve a function, but they can take up a bigger area a lot of times, especially putting things on the wall, you generally have more space for it. And so that's where you can really showcase some of your kind of best work to really have a big look at it. And it looks nice. Having pictures on the wall makes a house look more lived in than completely bare walls, at least in my opinion. But yeah, I'm I'm biased. I like printing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, as somebody who literally lives out of Airbnbs for a month, two months at a time, we have a handful of prints that we travel with and we literally will tape them up to the, not tape them, but put them up onto the wall <laughs> while we're here just to it really is what makes it like we're staying here for a month into our home for a month. So, yeah, I totally agree that having your prints up is not it, it, there's something different about it just mean decoration it's it's also a bit of pride i would say and it really is because if someone walks into my house which i don't have people over all the time <laughs> but um <laughs> whenever i do have someone come into my house the first room they come in there is four prints and a painting on the wall right now just in that first room 
And so they're when they walk in, they're going to see four pictures decently sized that I have taken. And so it can be a great conversation starter. It can be a great way to kind of get the ball rolling, especially if you'd run a photography business out of your home. Yeah. Like you you take the pictures there, you get a studio set up or something. The people coming in to get their pictures taken are going to see the prints. Even if you don't, you're not doing any marketing type stuff like that. It's still a really nice way to show and share your work without kind of pressing it on people like, oh yeah, here, handing them something. Take a look at this. It's just they come into the house, they can see it. It's there to to be appreciated. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. I mean, there's so many reasons to print. Um, I don't think we really need to sell it to people. I think people know <laughs> why it's why it's a nice thing to do. It's just not something that people do. Um, I ran a photo, uh, a print swap um, for a couple years, a few years on our photography. Um, and at the beginning, it was great. You know, people were sending sending prints and receiving prints every month. And it was just so nice to open the mail and, and get these hand, like hold in my hand pictures that, somebody made and sent to me um i had a whole collage on my wall just for my photo prints the the swap prints um and i just loved it and i've had mentor uh, mentees that i worked with send me prints um and those would go up on the wall as well so it's not just your own work it's just the the value in in just seeing somebody's work put out and not just on the screen um like i said i don't think we need to sell that so much (laughs) (laughs) yeah and Kind of getting into that, the selling versus just sharing. Uh, I know a lot of people really, especially getting into photography, they're like, oh, well, I can sell prints and stuff like that. And it's it's doable. It's not as easy as people tend to think that it will be at first. But if you can get into the selling the prints, which like we talked about, calendars are a great way. Uh, photo books are a potential way. There, there's different ways to do it or selling prints with sessions if you're doing like families or really most types of sessions for a person um, th- they're more likely to buy it than if you're doing like land or not landscape um, architectural or something for a business or like real estate where it, the main use is to be online. So th- there is a chance to sell to people uh, as part of a session and it can help you kind of catch back some of the costs from buying the camera gear um, it definitely will cover the cost of the printing itself, but it does take a lot more of a marketing mindset. It can be tough, especially when you're starting out, you're getting a bunch of random photos that may not all have necessarily a theme and you're not necessarily going to find a buyer for just random photos, but if you can condense it down, kind of get a set, really dial in your workflow, it, it's definitely a possibility to sell your prints. Yeah, I'll I'll speak from some personal experience. I mean, I have an online store and when I put effort into it, um, the marketing side of things, um, I do I do relatively well a few, you know, a few here and there every month. Um, when I ignore it, it's <laughs> it's much less than that. So there definitely is some marketing that goes into it. But I've I've toyed around with throwing everything at the wall, putting everything on my store and 
really curating it down. And I found that the curating down has been more successful. Um, people don't necessarily, you think that people want to just scroll through and find something and be like, oh yeah, okay, I like that one out of a hundred pictures, but no one wants to do that. They want to see the best stuff and they're wowed by every shot and then they choose one from that, you know, so definitely culling down and having something at least semi cohesive. My print store isn't 100% cohesive. It's not all street. It's not all travel. It's a little bit in between, which is why I say documentary travel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if it, by culling down. I've done a lot more sales than when I had everything available. And especially when someone's looking to buy a print, if they're wanting a print for their wall, they're probably, they probably also have an idea of what style they want. Right. So having a bunch of random stuff out there isn't going to help because you, you may have the type of print they're looking for buried in there, but they're not going to scroll through all the stuff they're not interested in. So by having a more curated gallery you may not get as many people who are going to be looking at it but the people who do are going to be the people who want to see that stuff and are more likely to buy the people that are more successful at prints that aren't the famous you know people are the people who are doing it in person as well there are some caveats to that and there's some things you need to think about but if there's a holiday market or an ongoing um I don't want to say flea market, but something like that. A maker's market. Art fairs. That, you're going to have stuff. a lot. Art fair. Thank you. Yeah. Those kinds of things. You're going to have a better op opportunity of selling. The things that you need to think about when doing that is A, it's going to be a big upfront cost. You're going to have to actually buy the prints and then potentially sit on them if you don't sell them. The other thing is knowing what the people there want what does the clientele want at this particular art fair or maker's market do they want pictures of the city that they're in are you in a tourist city or are you like a local um village that has beautiful uh sites that people want pictures of do people want pictures of fauna and flora do they want travel photos from other places these are the things you have to think about but the biggest thing i, I again is the upfront cost you have to be okay to spend a bunch up front and you have to be okay to sit on it if you don't sell it. I find that at these kinds of makers markets, the things that sell the most are postcards. People are always happy to throw a few bucks at a postcard. Um, and then calendars do well. And then smaller prints like A4, you know, normal. What do we have in America? What is it? Eight by... 11, eight, eight by 10. Plus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, smaller prints, not tiny, but not huge. Um, and like you were saying, David, is that, you know, people have something in mind. They already have a color scheme in their house. You know, if you have these really vibrant, colorful prints like I do, that's not going to work in everyone's <laughs> homes. And you have to understand that and, and know that it's not necessarily on you. If, if you don't make a lot of sales on photos like that, it's maybe because, that kind of style or aesthetic is not going to suit where they need it to suit. So if you have more generic things, you're probably more likely to make sales, to be honest. If you have high art, you have to find the right space for that. And it could be a yeah. gallery. It could be a like a alternative maker's market. Cafes are a good place for that kind of thing. Normal art fairs, city art fairs, probably going to do better with a little bit more of the generic stuff. 
that kind of goes along with just sharing your photos too, like not trying to sell them, is that initial cost is going to add up because it costs money to print. It costs money to get that print shipped to you. And depending on the size of the print you're going to get, it can get really expensive. Like I go to Walmart for stuff that's going on my fridge because it's less than a dollar for a four by six. But the stuff that's actually going to go on my walls and it's going to be nicer displays, some of those, especially depending on the paper type, if you have any backing with it, and then adding the frame on there, it can be over $30 for one print. Um, and if you get the really big stuff, I've seen, like looking through, I've seen some of the places that they'll sell these massive prints, but they get expensive, like over $100, depending on the paper you're using. But I do think it's really nice to have that and not necessarily be trying to share. Big prints can make great gifts. They can be a lot more personalized for the person you're giving it to or showing it to. Uh, they can usually hold more like sentimental value and it just be something more relatable to the individual as opposed to trying to market it to the masses. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say like gifts, for example, um, my son was born abroad during COVID, so he wasn't able to meet his family until he was about a year and a half old. So one thing I did for his grandparents was I made a small photo book of his first year and his grandparents got that because they couldn't see his first year. And that was a very meaningful thing for me to create. And I believe it's a meaningful thing for them to have. So there's there's a lot of power in that for sure. Yeah. And it goes along with the personal use as well. It, it's usually more decorative but it's memorable, it's personalized, and it's still visible to anyone who you want to show it off to, but it's more about kind of the feeling and emotion that goes along with the photo than necessarily needing to be perfect with all the technical details and have anything fancy. Absolutely. So I guess the if we're going to follow all of this up with our final thoughts on printing and sharing IRL, what would you your final <laughs> thought be? I guess it would probably be along the lines of getting your pictures out there. Carry something around with you. Have a little photo book or a zine or something you can carry with you that when people ask what you do or you're out taking pictures and they're curious about it, you have something physical you can show them because it is so much more meaningful than scrolling through and bringing up a couple pictures on your phone. My, I guess my final thought would be kind of the same. There's just something nice about holding a photo that you've made. Even if you're not sharing it, just putting it up on your own wall to look at or putting in your own wallet. Um, there's something nice about that. And it's, it's a moment that you don't get when you're just scrolling through. And then of course you get to see them in a different light, literally. So, so I guess um, since we spent a lot of time talking about prints, I guess we should move into our critique, which is, um, you know, a digital file. <laughs> no one mailed us <laughs> photos to print, uh, to, to critique. So we're going to have to look at some digital files. Um, so our photos today come from Austin Albert. Um, you can see Austin's portfolio at travels 4 pics.com. 
the four is the number. And his Instagram travels for pics. So Austin sent us um, the first photo that we're going to look at is an astro photo, which is something we haven't critiqued here yet. So that's great. Um, it's a, a mountain. I believe he lives in Colorado. So this is going to be in that part of the country. I'm going to say without knowing. And then um, we have the Milky Way. And then we also have a whole mess of comets and a foreground, a dark foreground with a rock um yeah so i'm gonna ask since we don't have a guest i'm gonna pawn off the <laughs> first critique to david <laughs> so please david so i really like this picture um i'm assuming it was probably taken during like the Perseid meteor shower just because there are a number of the meteor trails streaking through the sky but whether it was that or some other one or if it's a composite, because I know a lot of times with Astro, you can composite a bunch of images together of the same scene to help get make it more clear and kind of reduce noise and stuff. I don't know if that was the case here or not, but either way, I think that the overall framing of that looks really nice with the meteor trails kind of flanking the uh, Milky Way coming up out of the center of the mountain and just the amount of stars there, it looks absolutely fantastic. Uh, really the only thing I kind of would have to critique against it would be the foreground because it is so much darker. It stands out as not being part of the photo. And there's kind of a hard line between that shadow in the foreground and where the ridge kind of pops up in the back. And so I, I don't know if it would be easier to kind of do an exposure stack and get that foreground to look at the same brightness level as the mountain background or just even crop it into like a pano and just cut that whole section out. It would lose the foreground elements, which it looks like it would be really cool. It's just it's so dark that it doesn't stand out as a part of the photo. But overall, the composition is fantastic in this one. Yeah, I don't know how like equipped I am to critique Astro as Astro just because I've done it a whole like two times. And um, but if we're going to look at it from a non Astro point of view, um, I agree. I think the foreground is unnecessary. I just kind of did a quick screenshot recrop one in portrait mode because i was kind of just interested if it was going to be in that aspect ratio and then one that's more of a pano um and i have to say i do think it works better i understand like nobody is more of a proponent for foreground elements than i am but i do think in this one it's not necessary not only is it is it darker but it also kind of makes the composition seem crooked because there's this line between the foreground and the midground that's very bright and that kind of hits at a diagonal. So it kind of gives this like crooked feeling, even though I don't think it actually is crooked. It's just the way that that line cuts. So if we kind of crop it from right above that line um, and then up and have it mostly be the stars, I think it's a lot more effective. One thing I really like about it um, are the way that the meteors are kind of converging on the center is really interesting to me. They're all going the same direction. 
They're all kind of meeting at the Milky Way, which is dead center. I think like yeah, it's like adding in leading lines. Yeah, they're like yeah, exactly. They're meteor leading lines. Um, I think instinctually I was like, oh, maybe the Milky Way shouldn't be dead center. But when you crop out that bottom part with the rock, which is in the bottom right hand quadrant, that if you get rid of that, that unbalance is gone. And it's like, oh, okay, it makes sense that the Milky Way is dead center because we have these meteors converging on it on either side. So I really like that about it. Um, I think the editing is nice in the color. Um, Lonely Speck, if, if you're not aware of it, just give it a Google. They have a lot of really good information on taking and editing astrophotos. Um, and I think he did a really nice job with the color. It's not overdone. It seems real. Um, I like the purples and the pinks and the oranges. And I like how they're not so artificial that it, it feels like he probably saw it close to this with his own eye. Yeah, like it, it looks natural, but it's still vibrant and ethereal almost. I think that's a good way to put it. So yeah, I guess my, my um, overall thing would be crop it. Crop it and it's good. Yeah. Okay, we're going to look at another one from Austin. This one is of the Washington Monument. Um, I want to it's interesting because it's probably not sunset. It's probably a storm because it seems very dark, but there's this really bright pink and orange cloud right behind the monument. Um, but it is obviously dark. So maybe it's being lit up by lightning is going to be my guess. If you look really closely, it does seem like there's some a small bolt in the back. So my first impression of this is, wow, like, look at that cloud. That's incredible. Um, I think editing wise, I would take it down just like a half notch. Um, I don't really see any detail in the Washington Monument. It's so white and so bright that it just seems like just this bright light just there. Um, when you zoom in, you can kind of see the bricks and the texture. But I think if we took down the exposure on that, just a hinge, we could see more of the texture in the building, which I think would be good. And then maybe the the blacks. I don't know how much latitude there is because it does seem like it was really dark and he happened to manage it during like a lightning storm. Um, but I think that those really dark darks are maybe too dark for my tastes. Um, so far as to say I would, I might even crop it to get rid of some of them, maybe even like in a square or close to a square where we're not losing the cloud. We don't need all that dark space, right? I mean, but the cloud and the Washington Monument are important. And the fact that the Washington Monument is dead center, I think kind of lends itself to a square crop. Where I have it up, it like it's bringing out the monuments not completely centered. But for me, the biggest thing is where the tip of the monument in the reflection is cut out. I think this could look absolutely fantastic, like as a square crop with the Washington Monument in the center and the base between the, the monument and its reflection also being centered. Even keeping the exposure levels on the monument, just having it cropped in more and everything perfectly centered would give it this really beautiful kind of minimalist feel. And then the cloud stands out as it would be kind of the main unsymmetrical element there that would help kind of keep it from being just a line on the darkness. And that's kind of my thoughts, like just the framing on this, I think 
square crop everything perfectly centered and have the tip of the reflection and the monument, it would just be like a really beautiful kind of minimalist feel. And with that, I don't mind the brighter area on the monument or the extra darkness in the tree line around the reflection pool. I did a I did another square crop just now, and I'll I'll share it um, where I actually put the cloud more in the dead center, and it's actually kind of interesting as well. So if you want to see what that looks like, you can see it on the YouTube. Um, but yeah, I think there's some latitude for playing around with that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I just think there's some there's some dead space that we don't need, and that tower on the far left is kind of unnecessarily pulling my eye over. So I'd like to get rid of that. <laughs> knock that out yeah and I, I think that's kind of the main takeaway from what both of us were saying we went about it different ways but a lot of it is getting some of that extra dead space out of there to fill the frame with what's important because negative space can be an incredibly useful tool but when the majority of the photo is negative space the placement of that subject becomes more critical to the overall feel of the photo yeah absolutely negative space is very powerful so you have to be very purposeful with it, I think. Well, good. I want to thank Austin for sharing his photos. Um, Austin is pretty active. I say pretty, but very active on the Discord. So um, check out his work. Come and talk to him on the Discord. Um, he does a lot of astro work, um, which is always nice to see. It's something a little bit different than what we see maybe all the time. So thank you, Austin. Beautiful work. So with that, I think we're coming towards the end. You can hear my voice starting to go. <laughs> I had a long, <laughs> long day with many meetings and lots of talking at people. So let's get wrapped up. Um, let's see. So final thoughts on sharing, do it, printing, do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, again, if, <laughs> if you are interested in a zine for the 52 weeks challenge or the upcoming photo class, it's something that we want to do and we just need a little support and you know how to support us. And if you don't know how to support us, send me a message and I will be happy <laughs> to hand out jobs, um, <laughs> to anyone who wants one. Um, yeah. Any final thoughts from you, David? With uh, this month's topics, the month is ending quickly, so definitely focus down if you can. Try to get those in. Uh, we've got a handful of submissions in already that have been just fantastic. I love seeing it all. Um, I say that I still don't have mine submitted. I'm working on getting the wildlife one still. <laughs> For shame. <laughs> I know. So obviously you can post either individual weekly pictures or uh, the way I'm doing it this month is I'm going to post them all four together. Uh, so absolutely, you still got time, get it in, see what you can do. This is a really fun kind of laid back month. And I think it's just a great way to get into the challenge if you're a little behind or just starting out and kind of tagging on with the zines. Absolutely. I really want to get that stuff done. So any support is helpful and even just kind of showing interest to let us know how many people might want some of these. So it can help us plan out what we're doing exactly. And yeah, go print more. Print more. That's it. Put it on a pillow. <laughs> print more. Uh, the Reddit photography class. You mentioned that. Yes. Open enrollment. It is free. 
Yes. And any early questions, comments, that type of stuff will help build the content and tailor it to your needs. Yes. And stay tuned for some more content about it. FAQ sessions, helping you pick a camera. If you haven't picked one, we're working on it all. You'll hear from me and Sean Macon are the hosts. And then we have mentors such as David um, helping us out. So come meet the mentors, come meet myself and Sean and let's do this. Let's get it going. And we're going to have a lot of fun. So thank you, everybody. We will see you all next week. 